Owned by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Catholic Radio for your soul. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. Live from the KATH 910 AM studios in Las Colinas and broadcasting across North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is the Good News Show. And good afternoon and welcome to the Good News Show for this uh, post-Thanksgiving Monday. And uh, we are now in the season of Advent as well. Glorious time of the year and uh, temperatures have warmed up a little bit from uh, where they were last week. And the rain has stopped. And so hopefully you're having a great Monday. And we we are as well, kind of... You know, shaking off the cobwebs after a lot, four days off and getting back into the swing of things. Uh, I'm Dave Palmer, along with Cecil Anderson. William Kirkendall is running the social media feed. So if you want to see behind the scenes and our guests and uh, what's going on, uh, just go to Facebook and uh, GRN DFW is uh, what you search for, and you can go and see what's uh, what's going on behind the scenes. So uh, we have a, a busy show. Still waiting to see if our first guests are going to be here. Let me see. I'm getting updates as we speak. You know, technology is... Uh, oh, okay. The play-by-play. Uh, she said she's... Okay, she said, okay, never mind. We'll, we'll see how this uh, plays out, because uh, uh, I can't I can't take phone calls when I'm on the air. That's that's the problem. That somebody's calling me. I can't I can't take a call right now. But uh, all right, so I, I think we're going to be talking to um, uh, Dave and Lauren Moore. They are with CatholicMusicInitiative.org. Uh, they just uh, are amazing couple, beautiful, beautiful uh, musicians, and they have put their talent to God's glory through their song and through their music. And so uh, they have an event coming up this Thursday. I'm not sure if there are any tickets uh, left, but that was one of the questions I was going to ask them, so I won't tell you a whole lot about that because I don't even know if you can still go or not. Uh, the theme, I love this, uh, their kind of tagline is, is where modern beauty meets orthodox liturgy. And they're also the ones that have done the music for the televised mass for the Dallas Diocese, uh, really ever since the pandemic started. So anyways, we may have them on the phone. We may have them in studio. I'm not really sure. Uh, but we will let you know here as soon as possible. And also the second half of the program, since it is the fourth Monday of the month, we have the typical University of Dallas segment. And um, we're happy to share an interview uh, with Bishop James Conley from the University of Dallas Living the Quest series. It's a first in a series of interviews that we're going to share over the next several months exclusively with the KTH listeners in North Texas. Each one of them features a notable Catholic whose life tells a story of joyful courage, and the conversations build on the theme of The Quest, which is a five-episode documentary video series about discovering your purpose and living it with courage. The Quest is produced by the University of Dallas and uh, can begin your quest. You can begin your quest by going to Quest dot udallas.edu that's quest.udallas.edu i've seen a number of these and they're very good they're very well produced shannon valenzuela is the host and of course dr jonathan sanford typically comes in or uh does a, an interview uh in this segment every month and so we're very delighted to have that uh, close partnership with the university of dallas especially since i am a graduate of the university of dallas so all right i'm getting an update on uh what is going on okay the our first guests are going to be on the phone 
And all right, so we're going to call them in about five minutes. Okay, Dave and uh, Lauren Moore are going to be on the phone with us. So before that, let's go over a few things. First of all, this is going to be a very busy week other than the Good News Show. And uh, that is because it's the Christmas Shurathon week. We always, um, you know, there's there's a real pattern with this. We always have the Christmas Shurathon on the week that, or the Friday is the first Friday of December. I think that's the kind of the theme. So sometimes you start it in November, then it ends in December like this this week. And so, so we have got a cool theme, Come Let Us Adore Him, which has to do with, it's a perfect combination of kind of Advent, Christmas, Eucharist, and uh, it all starts tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock. All the good things. Yeah, I know. I'm very excited about this theme because we get to talk a lot about adoration. I just like the Christmas share in general. <laughs> I know. It's always like, instead of normal cowbells, we get to ring jingle bells when we hit a goal, and that's so much more fun. <laughs> and, and you're, you're having an increasing, like, I was say, what's the word? Uh, uh, audio ex- experience. You know, experience. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to call it experience, but uh, I mean, so, some hours this week are going to be on, some days you're going to be on like three hours, right? Yes, I am. I am. I'm going to fill in for some other people and get to be on in the middle of the day, which I, I don't think I've ever been on the air. Besides, like, this is the only show that I'm on kind of like, you know, in the afternoon yeah. hours like this. So, yeah, I'll be on one day at the three o'clock hour and one time without you, Dave. <laughs> how do you feel about this? Oh, gosh. I don't know. So, so, <laughs> somehow, uh, I'm sure. Well, you're going to be on with Sean. I'm going right? to be on with Sean from San Antonio. Sissel, it's got all the S's. What could go wrong? <laughs> yeah, right. You already got your first talking point. Exactly. Very good. Uh, so it begins tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock. Yes. And we always like to say that, uh, not that we're at all competitive with the other markets. <laughs> now the Dave's at all get, competitive. Get, get that out of your mind right now. But, you know, having said that, in our very non-competitive manner, we do like to have the first call to the Sherathon be from North Texas. Oftentimes it is. And really, to get in as a first call, you probably need to start calling at about 5 till 7 tomorrow morning, maybe even a little bit earlier, if you don't mind, waiting on the line, because there's other markets where they like to call in first as well. So if you want to call in and be the first caller of the entire Sherathon, we hold you in especially high esteem. Uh, here's the phone number for the Sherathon, okay? 800-476-3311, 1-800-476-3311. And there have been times, Sissel, that somebody has listened to this show and called in the next morning to yeah. Yeah, last Sherathon we had, it was the first yeah. North Texas caller. Is that, so that right? Exciting. Do you remember who it was? Yeah, it was Gerilyn. Oh, is that right? Yes, yeah, yes. yeah, Gerilyn, because she had been in. Yeah, okay. And also, good. if you call in the first person, we'll remember you yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we will. That's right. At least, at least you will. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, well, no, okay. No, no One person in the GRN will remember you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. So that, that starts tomorrow. Come let us adore him. Tomorrow, Tuesday, uh, the 29th through Friday, the 2nd of December. So we will cross into December. Uh, later on this week, and it goes until 7 o'clock uh, uh, Friday evening. So please be as generous as possible. If you have to renew a pledge, uh, we, we uh, invite you to do that as well. All right, so that's that. And the other cool thing about this Sherathon is that it very, very likely, most likely, is going to be the last Sherathon that we have in this building because yep. we've announced a couple of times in this show we are moving, kind of uh, <laughs> being pushed out of this uh, building because <laughs> they're going to demolish it and turn it into condominiums. But it's been a nice, you know, five and a half year run here. It's a beautiful building, but we're moving about a, a mile to the east. How would you describe the the new uh, building? This was pretty cool. It is very cool. I'm trying to think, like, what is one word to describe it? I mean, it's very tall. It's ta- a lot taller than this building. We get yeah. to be on the ninth floor, suite 910. And uh, it's got a I mean, everyone who comes to this office is always like, wow, that's an amazing view you all have. Mm -hmm. And we say, yes, yes, it is. Now now we can say, 
the next office is even better. Yeah, and you know, not to you know, a dog on this one because this is a beautiful place. Oh, but absolutely. With this one, you have to go through the office and either go through a hallway or through my office to get to the beautiful view. Yes. You really don't see it uh, unless you go out in the patio, which is really cool, and then you're looking out in the Four Seasons Golf Course, and 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 again, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful view. But you got to kind of work to see it. Exactly. So with this new one, as soon as you walk in. You just see it, okay, because the whole front is all glass. You see downtown Dallas. You see the University of Dallas. You see, you see the Four Seasons Golf Course. There's no patio, which I'm going to miss. That I'm is gonna true. I'm going to miss the patio. That, this is a, Although us in a ninth floor patio probably would have been bad. <laughs> I'm a pretty clumsy person, so that is probably yeah. for the best. <laughs> pretty, pretty high high chance of uh, serious injury <laughs> yes. or death. Because it's like, hey, Dave, let's film this cute yeah, video right. for Facebook. <laughs> we, like, yeah, yeah maybe, maybe it's a good thing. <laughs> Yes, uh, no, but it's fantastic. I'm excited. Right. Especially since sometimes people bring us wine during showthons. <laughs> you don't want high, you know, balcony wine uh, and, yeah, and revelry. You I know? think that when they built that building, they foresaw us coming one day. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right. So, the, again, tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock, the Christmas showthon starts. Real quickly, uh, before we get to William, because he's got a few events he's going to tell us about, uh, we have got one parish visit this weekend. Uh, I think this probably will be the last parish visit of this calendar year. Uh, thanks to Pam Chris and uh, Father Don Zeiler and all the good folks at St. Gabriel the Archangel Parish of McKinney. Uh, we will be there present. We won't be giving a talk, but after all the Masses, they have this thing called uh, it's the Cabinets. They have on each side of the narthex, they, you know, they allow an apostolate or somebody to be there. And then you come by and you pick up a bumper sticker and say hello or ask any questions you might have about Catholic Radio. So this weekend, uh, December 4th and 5th, I think it is. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, third and fourth? Whatever. This weekend. Saturday and Sunday. Okay. <laughs> Whatever that is. Uh, we'll be there for all the Masses Saturday and Sunday. So look forward to that if that is your parish, and uh, we'll see you then. All right. With no further ado, we have uh, William Kirkendall, our wonderful, uh, very dependable, very amazing, very intelligent uh, is that is that enough uh, superlatives for you? Uh, no, you don't need to flatter me that much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just William, but thank come you. on, he's our intern. All right, so he, he's here with us and uh, uh, kind of keeps up to date on some yes. of the things going on. So <clears throat> end of the year, some Advent things going on. Mm-hmm. But anything, what would you like to mention? Yeah. What, what's happening? We've got some. Uh, well, beginning today around the Texas area, I'm just going to name the ones in uh, in the DFW area. But okay. starting today, we have upcoming expositions, uh, Treasuries of the Church. And the um, the first one here is coming up actually tomorrow, November 29th at 6.30 p.m. in McAllen, Texas. That's at Holy Spirit Catholic Church. Uh, that's the first one. The next one would be, let me see, we have, okay, and then the next one will be at Modern Day Church on Wednesday, December 7th at 6.30 p.m. All right, so that's this, uh, this Wednesday, uh, yeah. This this one's no this oh, one's says oh, the no, 30th. No, 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 next week. Next, next week. Okay, seventh. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. yeah. Next month. Uh the seventh and modern day again is the parish. Uh let's see. Next one. Capel, Texas. That will be on Saturday, December tenth at one PM at Saint Anne Church. And I think that's all of the is Abilene in this area? I have oh, I, oh yes, I have one too. Also, can I just real quick mention my parish is actually having our Advent mission this week? Uh, it starts tonight. Actually, wait, what's today? 
What is uh, the date? Today is the 28th. <laughs> yes, it starts yeah. tonight. Okay, okay. Tonight, tomorrow, and the next day. And it's Father Maurice Moon. Oh, is that um, right? Okay, so yes. well, a local priest. Yes, a yeah, local priest yeah. here um, in the Fort Worth Diocese. Okay. And William, does uh, does that one have St. Anthony and Wiley on there? Or did you mention that one? St. Anthony and Wiley. Yeah, because I know uh, Mike Cole has told us about that one. So we've got, I think, there, I think there's three stops in North Texas. Uh, there's going to be, as you mentioned, the one at Modern Day, yes. and then there, uh, which I think you said Wednesday of next week, then uh, yes. Saturday the tenth at mm-hmm. St. Anne's, and I believe I want to say the following Tuesday. Is that not on the on the calendar? St. Anthony, um, of Padua Parish in Wiley, Texas. Oh, I, don't, I don't see it either. Oh, wait, yes. uh, wait, wait, oh, St. Anthony of Padua Church in yeah, it is here. It okay, is here. Yes. When is that one? That would be Tuesday, December thirteenth at six thirty p.m. Okay, all right. So those are the three stops yeah. in so cool. uh, North Texas. All right, and then uh, Sissel's Parish's Advent mission yes. starts uh, tonight. Yep. Okay, very good. Uh, a couple other things I will mention to you is that, uh, the, you remember uh, Father Ignacio Overo? We did an interview with him uh, having a Guadalupe religious procession Sunday, December uh, 11th, and so that's still a couple of weekends away, 3.30 p.m. at the Bishop Arts District. Now, I did not realize this until I interviewed him. I always think of the Bishop's Arts District as being, like, right there by the Cathedral of Guadalupe. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's not. It it's further not. south by, like, St. Cecilia Parish and Santa Clara and Mount St. Michael. Uh, okay, so it's going to, um, again, be December 11th at 3.30 p.m. If you'd like to, uh, you know, invite, you know, bring your family for a, a wonderful procession. They're also going to have a potluck uh, meal at the end of that as well. And you can visit the St. Cecilia Parish website that I don't know off the top of my head if you want to find out more information on that. All right. Uh, okay, so are we, we're going to have these them on the phone, or do we already have yes, them? Yes, they are ready. All right, very good. So well, at least go. Lauren's ready, and Dave shall be around shortly if he's not <coughs> oh, already. Okay, is he going to be phone also? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Live, live radio, you got to roll the punches, right? Absolutely. Okay. All right, so Dave and Lauren Moore are no strangers to this audience. You hear them uh, often on... Uh, the TV Mass, uh, which the, is funded by the Catholic Foundation and uh, sponsored by the Dallas Diocese uh, uh, on Sunday mornings ever since the pandemic has started. Their website is catholicmusicinitiative.org. And as I mentioned before, their tagline is where, where modern beauty meets orthodox liturgy. And I think we have uh, Lauren Moore on the, on the phone with us. Lauren, how you doing? Good afternoon. Hi, Dave. We are actually both here. Dave made it through the traffic of 75. So. <laughs> hey, Dave. <laughs> hey, Dave. How you doing? Good to talk with you. Thanks for joining me. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I don't know how you all do it. Every time I see you at an event, it just seems like you're out and about everywhere. Uh, has the, the, the pace slowed down at all, or are you all still uh, pretty much going everywhere these days? Or what's your schedule like? You know, uh, it, it kind of goes in ebbs and flows. Um, we, you know, uh, we're in Phoenix. Uh, we got to work with the, the Pope's private choir uh, for the corporate travel conference in Phoenix uh, with Bishop Barron and Father Mike Schmidt and Joe Zambone. And uh, we, we came back and got back to the broadcast mass. And we stay steady at SMU at the 5 p.m. mass and also at uh, St. Thomas Aquinas at the 7.30 p.m. Mass. Um, so we, we've always had a, um, a heart for, for going out and serving as, as many places as we can um, and to share our love of Jesus with as many people as we can. But we've always had a mentality that 
we we come back home and we serve at our parish. And yeah. So we try and make it back every Sunday. So. Yeah, and you know, I I have no musical ability, but I love to listen to music and I love worship music, and I know when something touches my soul. And that's how I, I always feel when I listen to y'all's music, is that there's a sincerity, there's an earnestness, there's a, there's a holiness about it. And I think a lot of people listening right now are nodding their heads, because I think almost everybody is familiar. They, they must have seen you somewhere. Uh, but uh, if y'all could tell us a, a little bit about yourselves. I don't know if people know your backstory, because they hear you singing, and they hear the beautiful voices and music. But uh, can you tell us a little bit about you know, your, your, your background and how you met and all that kind of good stuff? Absolutely, Dave. Well, I really love to tell this story. <laughs> it reminds me of how the small yeses in our life, when we say yes to God, He truly does bring forth miracles um, into our lives. So Dave and I were both Navy kids. Um, our parents, or our dads were both pilots, and our mother's families were both from Corpus Christi, Texas, mm. uh, which is where we met at the end of high school. Uh, so I was prepped and ready to leave to the University of Texas at Austin to pursue music opera performance. And I happened to meet Dave on no other place than Facebook. <laughs> he was marketing <laughs> his music, his alternative singer-songwriter MySpace page. Kind of takes us back a little. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he was sharing it with some friends of friends. And sure enough, we just get to chatting and we realize we, we both serve at our different parishes and around the diocese in, in Corpus Christi. So he invites me to a Bible study at Most Precious Blood Catholic Church. Um, and soon after, we became friends. Uh, for, for a time, I even joined his band as a background singer. I was one of three. Um, and Dave really, he, he put up with a, a singer who was used to singing on stages and projecting. Um, and I had to learn the hard way how to sing into a microphone. Mm. And it really threw me for a loop. Uh, but I learned a lot. Um, and Dave was very patient with me and continues this day to be patient with my very oh, Lauren, Lauren's the superstar I, you're funny oh my gosh but, uh, but, but anyway um, you know we, we just we continued our faith journey and it really became like the most important part of our friendship um, I, I think it was it was strange because a lot of our other friends were dating in sort of you know the, a secular way and I think we really desired to follow the will of God for our lives whether it was you know, friendship or marriage. So we just, you know, continue to try to listen to God as we grew together. Um, and there came a point about four years later where Dave was touring with Matt Marr. I was singing opera in Bavaria. But we, we were like, Lord, what do you want us to do with our lives? Like, are we really called into this union, into this, um, into marriage and um, into the sanctifying vocation? And uh, we, we came together and we, we really discerned that, yes, that was God's well, for us, and um, you know, Dave proposed on the Easter Vigil Mass in 2012, where we got married in the same church where we met in June of 2013. Um, and so, anyway, I was really always drawn to Dave's goodness and as a man, and I just continue to be so grateful uh, to God not only for the ability to make music together, um, but for our family. And so, um, 2019, our daughter Abigail Marie was born um, after years of waiting for, for God to say, yes, it was the right time. Um, and so now she's three, and she's uh, she's running our house, and, and we just keep up with her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, praise God. That that's awesome. Do you guys like uh when you get home and you know you're out singing at so many events and like you said all these different events when you get home do you just like no singing or do you do you still sing together and practice or is it just like okay, let's just let's just, you know, put a, put a pause on this for a while. What what what's home life like? I I think again, it it depends. There are definitely times uh, I'd say it really depends if it's an allergy season or not in <laughs> Dallas, because if it's an allergy season, you know, m- most, I was talking with somebody who, who sang in the Dallas opera and they were like, we don't sing before 10 AM and we only sing for this amount of time. And we warm up this that, and the other. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, wow, we, we sang at the YMCA breakfast at, at seven thirty this morning. We played a funeral mass at 10 and we still have two more things to go today. And amidst that, we're keeping a very rigorous recording schedule because for the Catholic Music Initiative, uh, we've recorded 295 renditions of the responsorial psalms over the last few years. And so, you know, to, to keep that going, we're singing a lot. And mm. so when it gets to um, be allergy season, I, I will say the only person singing in our house is Abigail. Um, but in a, in a normal uh, kind of, you know, uh, evening, we, we do. We sing a lot. Um, we, uh, Lauren and I started working on writing a patriotic hymn based on our grandparents and uh, a few years ago wrote a Christmas song that we're planning to release this year. Um again, written for um, our grandparents and just honoring kind of their memory and the legacy that they uh, passed on to us and honoring faith and family at Christmas time is really important. So that, that song, we never sat down and wrote it. We, we, we started singing and finishing it while doing the dishes or while doing chores at home. And so there is a lot of singing, just not in allergy season. <laughs> yeah, I understand. I understand. Uh, yeah, Dave, you mentioned Catholic Music Initiative, and I gave out the website at the beginning and the the uh, tagline of where modern beauty meets Orthodox liturgy, which I just absolutely love. CatholicMusicInitiative.org. Can one of y'all um, tell our listeners about the genesis of this and the mission and the purpose of the uh, Catholic Music Initiative? Sure. You know, when we were in Corpus Christi, um, we uh, attended a church that, you know, uh, was very diverse, probably the most diverse parish in the entire diocese. And um, with that diversity came a lot of um, desires for how the music would, would be and, you know, the different styles. And and um, Lauren and I, also serving at conferences, found ourselves up against a lot of challenges when the new translation of the mass came to be. And, and, and so we sat down, um, one for our parish and two for a conference called the fullness of truth conference, which is an apologetics conference that actually, I think you emceed for Antonio. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah which you were awesome, by the way. I hope we get to do that again together. But you remember that conference. There were were a lot of people who were very faithful and wanting to to be there, and the music plays such an important role in the Mass. And when the new translation came to be, it it made it difficult to... 
to kind of create that memorable, um, I can teach this in five minutes or it's so um, memorable that like people can catch on quickly, you know? And so we wrote the first mass setting, the mass of peace and being that, you know, we come from a background of serving a lot of parishes and a lot of different um, pastors. And so for me, I grew up altar serving in the traditional Latin mass, but, but Lauren, as Lauren mentioned, you know, I toured with Matt Marr and have led music for charismatic revivals around the world. And, you know, I, I'm just Catholic, right? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a part of the beautiful, a church that's called not always to be uniform, but to be unified. Mm -hmm. And so when, when we started making this, this arrangement to the text of the church, we said, let's make it in every style and show that if this could be born out of a prayerfulness and a desire to engage the people in the pews, we can make it to where a pipe organist and a choir a Catholic school with a string orchestra and a choir, a, a missionary playing guitar and traveling. We call it the Peter, Paul, and Mary rendition. It's very kind of folk-driven. Hmm. Um, or or maybe, maybe just um, a simplified chant version where four voices, four parts could sing it. And so it was kind of the first time that, at least that we know of, that anybody had tried to do this in the church. And... Uh, and we were so proud that we were able to do it, something that was fluid and kind of defied that of style and, and really nailed the heart of Catholic music and engaged the people in the pews and drew their focus away from the performance and into the prayer. Yeah. And so with that, we started thinking, wow, if we had any form of resources, we could actually start gathering more and more people into this to make a playbook for Catholic musicians. And coming to Dallas when we first got to SMU, that was the perfect place to do it because there were so many talented kids at Meadows and Father Arthur Unichuku who was very, um, very good about empowering leaders and not just with his staff, but also student leadership. And, and he kind of asked us, can you help activate more student participation and between the desire to create the music for the church and the ask of father arthur we really kind of went to work and decided we're going to make this playbook so it empowers more people to kind of be able to have that engagement that we've experienced with the people in the pews but also reflect the beauty of god in the music mm. and that's kind of where it that's that's the most basic origin of yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, no, no. I appreciate that. A very good explanation. Dave and Lauren Moore are my guests, and uh, unfortunately, we only have a few minutes remaining. Uh, we can only go to the bottom of the hour, but I do want to invite everybody to visit their website, CatholicMusicInitiative.org. CatholicMusicInitiative.org. I want to thank Mary Sladek. I know she's listening. She and Bill have are just uh, amazing people and uh, are big fans of yours, I understand. Uh, she had told me about an event that y'all are having this week. I don't know if it's sold out. Uh, you still have room for anybody else, but maybe as we close out, if you could just uh, let people uh, who are listening know how can they support 
uh, your music. Of course, they can learn about it at uh, catholicmusicinitiative.org. But is there any room this week for the event, or if they just want to send you a check or go online or, or just learn more about you? What, what should they do? Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, so, by the grace of God, we are very proud to say that we are sold out at this event, and we are making a solemn promise to everyone that next year we're going to get a bigger venue um, <laughs> uh, so that everyone can come and, and, and celebrate uh, this night with us. Um, we love the Slade decks. God bless Mary and, and Bill. They're, they're the best. Thank you um, if you are listening. Um, we also, Chris, Chris Garcia and Stephanie Garcia host the night um, of this dinner at the Tower Club, which is downtown Dallas. And we're going to basically be sharing what it is the next uh, 18 months that we're going to be doing to make all the music that we have created. We've published over 6,000 pages of music out of our garage <laughs> and we've gotten the approval of the U S Catholic council of bishops office of divine worship to be an official publisher. And we're in line with the text of the church. And we're so excited that we're going to be able to make this more available to parishes. We're currently serving 409 parishes in the United States with our music and any support that people would, would, would like to, to give, whether it be prayers or finances or um, just really anything, is, it, it, we're so blessed by this diocese. And if you want to find out more information, uh, catholicmusicinitiative.org, there's a, there's a place to, to send us a message. There's a place to make a financial gift. And um, in, in any, any and all points to this playbook in the building out of a website that makes all of this music available to more people so we can make a greater impact in the church. Um, and, and that's, that's what this night is about. Oh, so. Very nice. Well said. Thank you very much. All right. Next year, AT&T stadium. Okay. Hey, right. I love it. Let's do I it. I love it. Let's go big. God bless you, Dave. <laughs> Thanks for having us on. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, and again, thank you for... Uh I had a conversation with one of my daughters about a musical artist who I will not name, who I don't think a famous one that doesn't use his talent for the glory of God. And uh, But I love to highlight good people like you who are gifted by God and using that talent for his glory and for the, the glory of the church. And so thank you. You guys are just talented beyond measure, and I hope your event this week is a great blessing. And uh, I just invite everybody to prayerfully consider supporting uh, Catholic Music Initiative. Just go to catholicmusicinitiative.org. Uh, they got some very ambitious plans for the next 18 months, as Dave uh, mentioned. And uh, God bless you. Thanks for spending some time with us. Appreciate it, Dave and Lauren Moore. Thank you, Dave. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, great folks there. And again, catholicmusicinitiative.org is the website. Let's uh, go straight into, uh, this is a no commercial hour, as they say on the music stations, no commercials. And we're going to go straight into our University of Dallas segment. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, we're excited to share an interview uh, with Bishop James Connolly from the University of Dallas's Living the Quest series. 
It's the first in a series of interviews that we will share over the next several months exclusively with KTH listeners in North Texas. Each one features a notable Catholic whose life tells the story of joyful courage, and these conversations build on the themes of The Quest, which is a five-episode documentary video series about discovering your purpose and living it with courage. The Quest is produced by the University of Dallas, and you can begin your quest by visiting Quest dot udallas.edu that's quest dot udallas.edu and here now is the interview uh, with bishop james Connolly. thank you so much for being here you're most welcome shannon it's a delight oh, wonderful well maybe we can just jump right in uh with the question of discerning vocation this is one of the this is where we start uh with the quest we talk about learning um what your purpose is in this life and then we kind of step out in courage so i wonder if you could talk a little bit about maybe your own experience discerning your own vocation, and then if you have any, uh, I suppose, practical tips for people who might be struggling with discerning where right. they feel they're called to right. in this life. Right. Yeah. Sure. Well, as you know, I'm a convert to the Catholic faith, and that all started when I was uh, in, in college during my undergraduate years. And I think uh, when you just talk about basic vocation to um, you know whatever you're called to in life, um, I think listening is the first thing, and, and listening requires silence. So I think we have to create, carve out, find some kind of way to enter into silence, at least uh, at some point when we're discerning, because we can't discern unless there's silence, because we can't hear. You know, we can't hear. Uh, and a vocation is, uh, it comes from the Latin vocare, of course, which means to call. You know, and the, our English word voice comes mm -hmm. from that. So we can't hear the voice that's calling us, even our inner voice, you know, what, what our inspirations are, our desires are. We can't get in touch with those things unless we, we quiet down and, and listen and be still. Mm -hmm. And I think once we do that, then we, 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 get, we, we are inspired. We don't hear voices. I, I never hear voices, you know. <laughs> right. But at least, you know, we don't, um, we don't really get an idea of where it is we want to go or where it is that God wants to take us. So mm -hmm. I think silence is the first thing we have to at least try to acquire some some sense of that and for me when you know I became a Catholic when I was a junior in college and one of the things that drew me to the Catholic Church was this I this thing which was much larger than me mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. so often we're, we're in our own world in our own universe and we think we're sort of you know the, the, the world is our oyster shell you know and when we are exposed to something much larger and bigger than we are um, it causes us to expand our horizons and to think about you know, what kind of place do we play in this larger universe. Mm -hmm. And it's exciting because we feel like that we need to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. So for me, when I became a Catholic, it opened up a whole new world. And, mm -hmm. um, and in that world, um, I, I saw you know, that maybe I could play a, a part in it um, as a priest. And mm -hmm. so that excited me. To be, you know, when you're young, you you, you, know, you have high goals and things like <laughs> yeah. that. I mean, I'd only been a Catholic for a couple of years. So I really didn't know what I was getting into. <laughs> didn't think what a, what a priest was or anything like that. You know, and here now I'm a bishop. Um, <laughs> so God has an infinite sense of humor, I think, and, uh, and, and imagination. But but I, I just I think that knowing that we're part of something much larger than ourselves, and that we are called to some great work. You know, mentioned John Henry Cardinal Newman. Mm -hmm. uh, has a beautiful meditation uh, on that where everyone is called to um, a great work of some kind, um, a particular work that no one else is called to. Mm -hmm. And that 
we each have a role to play, a part to play in this large, very beautiful adventure um, we call life. Unless you can be alone with yourself in your room, you really haven't experienced this freedom um, mm. and be content. Um, but I think we have to find a place where we can go, perhaps in a church, you know, where it's quiet. You can at least be reasonably certain that there's not going to be any noise encroaching into your life there. You know, it's, it's one of the places, few places left where they're pretty much guaranteed it's going to be quiet. But out in nature is always a good thing too. And to be um, in a beautiful little place where nobody's going to disturb you and just to sit and observe the world around us, especially the natural world around us. Mm -hmm. At night, you know, I think sometimes I'll stop if there's a full moon Mm -hmm. and um, or a half moon and just kind of look at the moon and the stars and just think um, you know about the universe and about the the permanent things um, and uh, you know nighttime is usually quieter um, but we all have to find those and, and we can find them we can find them I mean it's it's hard because we're so plugged in mm-hmm. and, and like you say you know information and noise is coming to us 24-7 so it really takes an intentional effort to disengage and to unplug and to turn off the screen uh, and to put the phone away. Um, but um, we can do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's possible. Mm-hmm. We just have to. We just have to do it, and just even if it's just for a space of about half an hour, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a long time. Yeah. Uh, but and we notice that we do our soul kind of settles down a little bit mm-hmm. and, we, and we become more sensitive to the inspirations and the impulses that are in us that are in the interior part of our life mm-hmm. and it's those impulses and inspirations that then lead us i mean like i said we don't hear voices you know you mm-hmm. should do this you know <laughs> i wish we would but 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 it's those little inspirations that lead to a, a more clarity mm-hmm. in what we're called to do I think that's really beautiful. And again, I feel like it kind of comes back to knowing yourself, too, knowing where you feel that sense of refreshment, that spiritual refreshment, um, is, is, uh, is such an important part, I think, of navigating the modern world, is, is finding right. those places where we can be quiet and, and be surrounded by quiet. Uh, so that's, that's really a wonderful yeah, advice. Yeah. Silence is a wonderful thing. The power of silence is a wonderful thing. Um, and it's a, you, know, you would think, well... Yeah, I mean, I you know that's natural. You don't have to do anything, to, but it's becoming harder and harder to find. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and it's not just auditory; it's visual silence. It's like yeah. the the overstimulation of, of of sight. You know, it's so much moving images. It's, it right. can be very overwhelming. So yeah, uh, put down the phone for a little bit each yeah. day. You know, and, and step away for some quiet. That's like that's why people like to let's say if you're close to a body of water, to watch the ocean you know mm-hmm. um, there's a certain silence about even the crashing of the waves but like a fire for example mm-hmm. um, that we have you know that um, you know watching a fire at night um, those are kinds of natural things that that, that that instill silence into our hearts one of the questions that 
that I've gotten from from some of our our viewers, and you know they've they've asked me, you know, well, I, I maybe just want to have a a job working for a company. You know, I'm not yeah. looking to do you know like the extraordinary work of of like a, a John Henry Newman or uh, Mother Teresa or something like that, um, or even to be you know maybe called to some other high high profile high visibility work. Um, and they they wonder, is this really for me? Is this call to live with courage? Is this call to uh, to live an extraordinary life? Is that is that for me too? Um, and so I wonder if you could maybe speak a little bit about that. How how even maybe the the hidden lives where we were just living out that ordinary vocation are in fact extraordinary. Right. No, that's a very good question because I, first of all, I think no one is called to a life of mediocrity. Um, God didn't mean for us to live lives of medi- mediocrity. That every life, no matter what it is, the most ordinary, hidden, simple life is meant to be lived in a very extraordinary way. Because um, even though most of us are not called to high-profile leadership jobs, mm-hmm. most of us are called to ordinary jobs. But like Mother Teresa, Saint Mother Teresa used to say, we're supposed to live ordinary lives in extraordinary ways. Mm-hmm. Because we are made for greatness um, maybe not in the sense of great achievements in the world. That uh, that's really not that important. Mm-hmm. Uh, success. She said, "We're not called to success. We're called to faithfulness." Mm-hmm. So, if we're faithful, heroically faithful to the ordinary vocation we're given, um, we're living ho- heroic lives. And it's in those ordinary things um, that we really fulfill our calling. Um, you live your life according to um, an ideal, which identifies you as a, a beloved daughter or son of the Father who loves you and who's with you and who is every step of the way. And you're not on your own. You're not isolated. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all together. We're not meant to be islands. You know, we're meant to be living in community. You know, that's why the pandemic was such a tremendous blow to us as a culture because it separated us from each other. And yeah, we survived it and we learned how to deal with it and work with it. Um, but we were wounded because of that. And, and we're not meant to live like that, and, and hopefully we won't have to live like mm-hmm. that again. Mm-hmm. Um, but even ordinary people in every walk of life is called to greatness, um, and it might be hidden greatness. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, it's what, it's what really um, fires our hearts to live these lives that God gives us, because it's not very long. We don't live very long. I'm kind of in the fourth quarter now. Uh, maybe I've got a few overtimes left, but uh, you know, I, I'm looking at that now. That I'm no longer young. I remember when we were in Rome for mm-hmm. the Rome semester years ago, and uh, you know, you never th- you think life is is going to happen. It's going to last forever, but you know, and 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 that's not that's okay because mm-hmm. it's it's good to have that perspective to step back and see the big picture and to realize the reality of what what we live and our time is short here. So let's make the most of it. So as we're speaking about this process of discerning our, our vocation, you know, how, how can we feel confident that we, that we are in fact hearing God call us to some, some definite work in the world? You mentioned, uh, St. John Henry Newman saying, you know, we're all here for a purpose and we're all meant to do a particular work in this life and, and something that no one else can do, right? We're, we're put here for a reason. Um, so can you maybe speak a little bit about that? How we, sort of have the confidence right, that we know what right. we're being called to. No, that's a very good question, and it's one that we all face, everyone, you know, and I think a lot of it has to do with understanding who we are and and, and a kind of an understanding our own talents and gifts and, and a self-awareness. You know, what really 
stirs our hearts? Where is mm -hmm. our passion? What do we really, what do we like to do? What's, wh where are we drawn? Um, mm -hmm. And in a general sense, you know, there's all kinds of things we can think of um, about where we might be called. But I think we have to also know what we can do. Mm -hmm. In other words, you say we can do anything if you put your mind to it. Well, yeah, but no, I can't be an <laughs> NBA basketball player. I'd love to. Yeah. But I, I can't, no matter how hard I work, uh, I never could be. Um, so you have to face the fact that we really can only do what we really are able to do. And, mm -hmm. and we can do it well. Um, so I think self-awareness is one thing. Um, also, understanding what our talents and gifts are. And that's, there's all kinds of ways, what our temperaments are. Mm -hmm. You know, the four temperaments. Uh, understanding, you know, are we choleric or are we sanguine or are we phlegmatic or are we melancholic? Mm -hmm. well, we're always a mix of some of those. Mm -hmm. but, but there's a lot of ways that we can, you know, practically uh, go through those and see and understand what kind of temperaments we have. And then, mm -hmm match those temperaments with things as far as careers or, or, or professions go where, where, where those um, temperaments would most likely flourish. Mm -hmm. um, and I think human flourishing is really what um, we all seek. Everybody mm -hmm. does. They're, that's what their heart seeks. Um, now, that doesn't mean that everybody is going to be as passionate about their career or their vocation, so to speak, um, than anybody else. Uh, but at least we will be doing something that it doesn't make us miserable. Right. I mean, nobody's called to a vocation that is absolutely miserable, and that you mm -hmm. dread getting up and going to work every day or doing what you're doing. God doesn't mean that. He doesn't want that to happen. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's a combination of listening to our hearts. Where are we drawn? What excites us? What, where's our passion? What can we see us doing? And we, you know, might even have to it's hard because you don't know until you do it. Yes. We might have yes. to change courses. I mean, a lot of people will go down one path and think this is it, and all of a sudden wake up one day and say, why did I go down this path? Mm -hmm. I'm not mm -hmm. happy. Yeah, yeah. And so you have to be, have the humility to step back and say, okay, I'm going to have to start over down this path. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be the first person to do that, <laughs> even if you've spent a lot of money like on medical school or yes, whatever it is yes. that you feel like you're called to. The important thing is to have that humility to stop and say, I'm not really happy. Mm -hmm. And that's where we have to know ourselves. And that comes with maturity after mm -hmm. a while uh, to know ourselves. But um, I think that, again, listening where it is that we're called to and, um, and, and, and getting to know people around us and, and asking questions and being open. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and knowing that there is a plan, that God does have a plan for yeah. us. You know, sometimes we think, I just can't, there's nothing that's out there that, I, that interests me. Mm -hmm. No, there is. We just have to be patient with ourselves. Mm -hmm. But that God does have a plan for us. And it's that plan uh, that we're going to find true joy, happiness, and, and human flourishing. Well, that patience seems so important. You know, it's not an immediate thing always, right? This discernment. It's, it's sometimes, like you said, a process of just putting one foot in front of the other right. and, and having the patience to wait for, for this to work itself, uh, to work itself out. Right. Um, and it sounds like also, um, it's, it's a process of learning to work with ourselves and not against ourselves, right? And that's, that's where that self-knowledge kind of comes yeah. into play. So important, it seems, um, to, to be willing to take the time uh, to really get to know yourself, right? And, right, and who you are, and what your gifts and talents are, and and where God might 
put them to to use right. in that and, openness. And to accept yeah. our shortcomings, you know. That, yes, that's amazing. And realize, yeah. well, you know, I'm not perfect at everything. I'm good at this. I'm not too good at that, and and, and not to pretend like we're, we're great in everything. Mm -hmm. um, but we can always improve too. And we can change, mm -hmm. and we can and we can learn, and we can uh, we can do better and excel in different areas. Um, but it it takes um, a lot of self understanding and awareness to know our limits and to mm -hmm. accept them. Mm -hmm. um, not again settling for medi mediocrity or anything like that, mm -hmm. but just knowing what God has given. And he and everybody's been given tremendous gifts. We just have to know where they are and and how to develop them. Mm -hmm. I think I heard someone say once that you know God has given us this work, knowing that we're broken, knowing that we're fallen and imperfect yeah. and, you know, and that, that he calls us anyway and, and that, that whatever that is, he'll, he'll, he'll help. I think you mentioned, you know, he'll be with us on the, on the journey and, and so, right. you know, we don't need to worry. Right, we don't. I think that's, that's just such great advice and maybe, maybe we can kind of talk about, um, what comes after this life? You know, the, the sort of the hope of heaven, uh, the reality of that, which I think is, it's very easy to, to feel that that is somehow unreal, right? It, that it's not present to us in this sort of immediate way uh, that the world is. So I wonder if you can maybe speak a little bit about about that. How does that help us to have the courage uh, to to remain steadfast in our in our vocation and in you know living with with courage in a, in a world that that can be so fractured or so difficult? Well, I think with a highly technocratic world in which we live, I mean, you know, we we can't we can't flee from technology, but I think that. Technology brings the world into our lives in a in, in such an intense way now more than ever. You know, like the uh, poet Wordsworth. You know, the world is too much with us mm -hmm. now and soon. Little, little we see in nature that uh, that is ours. We've given our hearts away a sort of boon. Um, it's even you know been amplified now with technology, um, and so um, you know it's so much upon us, and we have to be able to see beyond it um, to those permanent things that uh, that don't disappear, that last forever. Because the world is disappearing before our eyes. You know, all of this around us is not going to last. This, these aren't the permanent things. Friendship, love, kindness, beauty, truth, goodness, those things endure. And, and, and if our whole world is consisting of things that are visible and very tangential and present, um, that world is can't sustain us. And so we have to see beyond it. Again, quoting Cardinal Newman, uh, you know, he would say that the invisible, the invisible world is more real to me than the visible world. Because he realized that the visible world is, is not the real world. It's, it's, it's the world that, that is, is, is not permanent. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we have to keep our hearts fixed on this invisible world. And then, of course, that points to beyond this world, that we have to have this hope in eternity. I mean, we believe that eternity exists, and so where do we want to spend eternity? And, of course, God has revealed to us where we're all destined to. Mm -hmm. And so to have our hopes um, anchored in this um, eternal uh, love and joy... And happiness is what what the human heart seeks and what we're wired hardwired for. That sustains us through the ups and downs of this world. If we don't have that that foundation or that anchor, then we're going to be tossed here and there, and and, and we're going to be you know we're going to just be um, kind of brutalized through this world and and damaged and abused with 
with you know and, and maybe not even survive because of the because the world is so strong mm-hmm. it's it's so easy to get uh, just as you said like tossed about uh, I was uh, recently we were we were having a, a, a conversation about this the uh, the story from the Gospels when um, the, they're all on the boat, right? And, and yeah, yeah. Christ is asleep in the stern of the boat and the waves are coming. The disciples are like, we're perishing. Um, and, and that it seems to me that that story has, has so much to do with what you were just saying of like the, the confidence that no, no, Christ is in the boat. It's going to it's be, okay. be okay. <laughs> we're be not okay. perishing. Uh, it's, it's going to be okay. And, and has sort of having that confidence um, that, that, you know, he can calm the storm, I guess. Um, right. He can calm any storm. And that again goes back to that silence and that place that we can return to, that interior um, place inside uh, St. Catherine of Siena, called the cloister within our own heart, mm-hmm. where we find that calmness, you know, that inner stillness mm-hmm. that, that kind of equalizes everything and steadies our, 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 our view. Mm-hmm. Well, I wonder if, um, you know, one of the other, as we're talking about storms tossing us in this, in this life, um, and, and sort of the quietness of the inner, the inner life, I wonder if you could speak a bit about your own challenges with anxiety, depression, and things like that. Um, we, we talk about the dark night of the soul in the quest. Um, in those moments of feeling desolation or feeling isolation, we talked a little bit about that. Um, but I wonder if you could maybe share a little bit about your own experience with that and, and how you navigated through those those maybe darker times uh, sure. in your own yeah. life. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't have any mental illness in my family. There was no history of any illness. And I didn't really have any, any traumatic uh, childhood episodes where I was, you know, there was trauma. Mm-hmm. Anything like that, so uh, it was such a. Th- it was. It kind of came on to me all all at once, um, and I didn't even realize it was it was coming on to me. But I was dealing with very difficult things in my diocese and having to make lots of decisions, and it was a very turbulent time. And I think probably one of and looking back at it, I know this is true that one of the uh, kind of the things that led to my own my own uh, anxiety and depression was this. Kind of very American uh, idea that um, you know that we can kind of fix fix things ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, my father was a great uh, World War II uh, veteran. You know, he was a gunner on an aircraft carrier, and he instilled into us, my, myself and my sister, that uh, you just, just in your sheer determination, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get through, and you can do anything. You know, and and just you have to work hard at it. You know, mm-hmm. and so that was the, that was the mentality that I had, the can-do attitude. And I realized that I was in. Uh, there were things that were bigger than I could fix. And as the bishop, I felt like. Uh, uh, it was up to me to fix these things, that I'm the guy at the top, and so um, I'm the one that's supposed to come up with all the answers. And things came in on me, uh, and all at once, kind of, and um, I just, um, I, I realized that I, I couldn't, I couldn't fix these things. And and instead of, and I learned a lesson, and the Lord, it's, you know, look back on it, and it's all for a purpose, the Lord kind of brought me to my knees to real to realize that, hey, you're not in charge, even though you're a bishop, you know, you, you have to rely upon me. And I used to tell people, and it's still one of my favorite uh, sayings of John the Twenty Third during the Second Vatican Council, when everything was chaos. He, 
his prayer at night was, Lord, it's your church. I'm going to bed. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I wasn't living that. And yeah. I wasn't living yeah. that, you know, and I, and I wasn't going to bed and I wasn't sleeping. And mm-hmm. I was thinking of trying to, how do I, am I going to solve this mm-hmm. problem, solve that problem? And, I, and, you know, as soon as you physically become exhausted, then, you know, it affects your spirit and your emotional health and your, and your, and, and your psychological health. Mm-hmm. So I, I just kind of hit this wall, you know, and I was, I went to the Mayo Clinic and I was diagnosed with anxiety and, 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 and depression, and I just had to take time off. And mm-hmm. so it, it was really the, 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 the advice of good friends, trusted friends, my family, um, who could see this in me, mm-hmm. that convinced me that I needed to really step aside. And I did. You know, and I, and I just was absolutely transparent because I, I just I just said, this, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I had uh, friends from University of Dallas that were down in Phoenix. I went, I wanted to go someplace sunny. Yeah. It was the wintertime. <laughs> yeah. And I was down there and I had some good friends that invited me into their family. And, and, during, and then, you know, a couple months after I took my own medical leave of absence, the whole world took a medical leave wow. of absence with wow. the pandemic because yeah. this yeah. was in 2019 and 2020. Um, in March, and um, you know that 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 threw me back uh, even further because I, you know, then everybody was sort of in this isolation mm-hmm. mode, mm-hmm. and and that's not good for depression. And yeah. um, so I just persevered during that very dark time. Um, everything was stripped away, even my faith. Mm-hmm. I felt it was it was just difficult to even pray, even to say mass. The Lord just really stripped me completely naked and said, okay, you, you, you are, you know, I am the only thing you have. And, and, and when I got to that point, that low point, the lowest point, it was only at that point that I could, that I could rise from that mm-hmm. um, at the foot of the cross. And, um, and so the Lord took me out of it slowly with the help of a good psychotherapist, uh, a good spiritual director, a good medical doctor, and lots of friends, and a, brother bishops that mm. helped me, especially Bishop Olmsted down in Phoenix, my closest friend, Archbishop Paul Coakley, Bishop Jim Wall, uh, some priest friends. Um, and so I got through this, and, and there were times when I didn't think I could. And I understand why people even consider suicide. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it makes sense when, you're at, when, you're, when things are so dark, you just want to end it all. You don't, you're not thinking clearly, mm-hmm. but I really understand it, and, and I know that the Lord is using my own experience to help others who are in the same place. So many people suffer from this today. Mm-hmm. And I think the pandemic has even made it more mm-hmm. difficult. Um, because, of, like I said, partly because this attitude that we have instilled, which is a false attitude, which is a bad attitude, that somehow we can control everything ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's only when we surrender and realize that we can't, and we can't fix, we can't even fix ourselves, that's when we experience really true freedom. Um, and it's a healing of the whole person. You know, uh, allowing the Lord to, to touch those places, and, and and you know, and looking back, even though I said I didn't have any kind of trauma, mm-hmm. we're all wounded. Yeah, we're all right. wounded. We're all broken. You know, we're all clay, and we're broken and fragile. And so I thought I had a you know fine, healthy, natural you know, uh, you know, childhood, and I did in a certain sense, but. I, we were wounded by the culture, mm-hmm. you know, and the experiences and the exposures we've had to, to, to everything from pornography to violence and all that has an effect and we're all wounded. And so we need to admit that and, 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 and get in touch with those wounds and allow the Lord to heal us in those areas so that we can be whole again and that we can experience that freedom where we don't have to live up to somebody else's expectations. We don't compare ourselves to people around us. We are who we are meant to be. 
you know, and it's that wonderful passage from the Second Vatican Council that it's in, it's in giving ourselves away and surrendering that we discover who we are. And, and we all need to do that. So we're, we're all, nobody is above that. And that's why I think that the more we remove the stigma, for example, of depression and anxiety and mental illness and address those needs, the better we're going to be as a community and as individuals and as a people. Oh, it's such a beautiful story and so reassuring, I imagine, for, for so many who, who struggle with these same, with these same issues, um, to, to know that they're not alone, right? Right. One of the, that's, they're not alone. Yeah. That's so important because you do feel like you're alone. You're alone mm-hmm. in your own head. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's everything. And you think about what people are saying and thinking mm-hmm. and doing and, and the more, and it gets worse and worse and worse. So that's all you hear is this echo rever- reverberating in your mind. And that becomes your reality. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and we were not alone, you know, and we're not meant to be alone. And that's why other people bring us out of ourselves, mm-hmm. and we need other people. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that you mentioned, the, the pandemic and sort of the, the cultural sort of experience of that isolation. I think, uh, I know when, you know, when we all had to, to move our classes online, for example, and all of a sudden we weren't together any longer in the classroom, um, it was it was profoundly unsettling and then when we finally were able to reconvene in person the students were so overjoyed just to be yeah. present with one another again physically present and it is i think reminds us that we took that for granted right. you know in a tremendous way that that we really do need right. one another you know and that you know we can't just live our lives digitally or like you know um but we do need that community i yeah. think that's a beautiful uh, aspect